Welcome to Unscripted Authentic Leadership. I am your host, Lafayette Lane, joined with my co-host, John LeBron. We welcome you to another thought-provoking discussion this week. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be with you. Yeah, doing well. I'm doing well myself, especially after watching my Lakers get the W last night. Uh, <laughs> yes. For all those who don't know, my man Lafayette is a huge LeBron James fan. Oh, so he out for King James. Yeah, he follows the man more than more than the team. But uh, and I I find myself doing the same thing. So yeah, good. He put at work last night too. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> We want to thank our audience for tuning in to another episode. We thank you for your support. We have seen progression on all of our social media platforms and through our different streams of podcasts. We are available pretty much on any podcast platform that you can find and also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And so we have seen support and we have heard great reviews and we are thankful and appreciative of your support. Those that tuned in last week, you know, we talked on the subject and the topic of mentorship, about being a mentor, having a mentor, being a protege. And this week, we want to continue the, the thread of leadership, but from a different topic of choosing your battles. And so this is going to be an interesting topic this week. I'm excited to get into the conversation. When I think about leadership, John, I think about choosing your battles because leadership is a battleground. Leadership is a battleground. Uh, if you look at an army, you have your lieutenant, you have your colonel, you have your generals. Those are the leaders that are leading the troops, giving the direction that are going into the battlefield to fight the enemy and to gauge the enemy. And when we think about the battlefield, we know this is where the battle is fought, but it's also the area where you face the most conflict. And so, of course, we're not talking about fighting in a sense of physicality so much, even though there is a physical aspect to the battleship of leadership. But we want to cover the different aspects of the leadership battleground today. When you think about leadership being a battlefield, what what kind of comes to your mind, bro? Um, you know, there's a actually there's a book called uh, Battlefield of, Battlefield of the Mind, mm. and I think it's by Joyce Meyer. I could be wrong. Um, okay. I think I wasn't planning that, but, um, yeah, so ba most battles in my opinion, um, are, are mental battles, right? You have everything you need to overcome obstacles, but most of those obstacles aren't really physical obstacles, right? I get that there's physical battles and wars to be fought and things like that yeah. and causes and so forth. But most of that starts, you know, between the ears um, yeah. and the decisions you make are um, mental, therefore battle of the mind. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's crazy that you said that, because literally that's what I have in my notes. I thought about um, the makeup of mankind just within itself, how we are three parts, body, soul and spirit. I thought about that as going into the battlefield of the, the trichotomy of the, the battlefield, that being mental, physical, and spiritual. And so we know that before you can hit the physical or the spiritual aspect of the battlefield, the battle starts in the mind. And so when I think about the mental aspect of the battlefield, 
I wrote down that you have to navigate through the mind. It is the starting place of the choice of the battle. So your mentality will determine what happens physically. And so as a leader, there are many things that go through our mind. There are things that we have to navigate before it comes out of our mouth. We're wrestling with it in our mind. What decision to make? What's the next move? What's the strategy? What is the, the right uh, move to make or what is the wrong move to make or what if I make this if I go left here if I go right here what is the consequence of that and so I think about the mental aspect of leadership of the battlefield and how that the leader has to be so mentally fortified and so that his mentality if it's off it'll show forth through his physical attributes, whether he's leading an organization or she's leading an organization, uh, a business, a family, you're ahead of your family, it all starts in the mind. And so I think that if it starts in the mind, it's important to have a strategy. Kind of, kind of talk about that, that part of the battlefield, the mental. You talked about it in the mind. Talk about why, why is it important to have a strategy in going into the different battles of leadership? Um, so, I mean, the strategy is gonna, is gonna change. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many ways you can go about that, but if we're talking in generalities, the yeah. strategy has to be um, a reflection of your, essentially of your, I should say, in support of your uh, mission, right? Mm -hmm. um, basically the strategy has to be submission right support of the yeah. mission um, a lot of people view submission as a as a weak word but actually it's it's a word of strength wow. um, it's submission it's in support of a mission right you That's have good. these uh when i think about my um my marriage right um yeah. you know in a lot of marriages they have a hard time sometimes because you essentially you know the word says anything with two heads is a monster and so somebody has to lead the family and a lot of people have a hard time allowing that to happen so um in my house my wife is so gracious to allow me to make decisions i say allow because i'm relatively quick to make choices sometimes um unless i have i mean doesn't mean i don't think about the choices i just for me no choice is worse than a choice and a lot of in a lot of uh, a lot of times, not not always, but um, so she is always sort of in, like she always supports whatever our family's mission is, right? So she's always in submission of that. I'm not saying she's submissive and you know and just brushed aside. That's not my point. Yeah. Um, but she's a strong woman and she's confident in herself enough to allow me to attempt in my the best way that I can to lead my family <laughs> yeah. and sometimes i do a good job and sometimes more than i would wish i mess up and um, have to fix it and you know all those things yeah. but it takes a very strong person to be in submission to a mission um and i might have gone on a tangent there but um i think the um having a strategy towards any uh battle often is reflective of the um core values of the individual yep. and um and and then also the best i guess the mission at hand so 
Wow, that was so good. I love how you talked about the submission is coming in support of the mission. And so that is the context of the battle. And so the battles that each leader face will be various for the conflicts, whatever mission that you've set out to do will have that different conflict. And that's not always a negative thing because sometimes we need conflict to strengthen us, but we have to have support in order to make it through the battle. And it's interesting that you talked about that submission piece, uh, the, the support of the mission, because I wrote down that in, in doing some research about battles and choosing your battles as a leader, that even though you are a leader in a battle, you still need a circle of safety. You need support. The circle of safety comes from the term of, of the Spartans. And there's a quote that says, the power of the Spartan army did not come from the sharpness of their spears. However, it came from the strength of their shields. Hmm. So when they joined together, they were on that battlefield, even though they had their leader, the cohorts, those that were the soldiers and the generals and those that were in support of the mission, they had their spears because the spears would help them defend themselves. But they understood that in order for us to win this war, in order for us to win this battle, to combat the enemy and to combat the conflicts that we may face on a day-to-day -day basis, we have to gan, uh, band together with our shields to provide a circle of safety. And I thought that was so good because it said a warrior carries the helmet and the breastplate for his own protection, but his shield is for the safety of the whole line. That's what a leader does. A leader doesn't just go into the battle thinking of how can I save myself and how can I make a decision that if this decision falls short, then I won't reap the consequences of it. But I'll even step out on a limb for the organization because I'm concerned about the whole safety of the whole line, the whole safety of the organization, the safety of my family, the safety of my community. And so that leader has a circle of safety. What, what, what's your thoughts on that, that term, that line of we're in a battle. I'm the leader. I have the strategy, but I also have a circle of safety around me that will strengthen us from the attacks and the conflicts of the opposition. Man, that was such a good analogy. If everybody, if the listeners caught that, because um, before you said that, I knew that the purpose of the shield was for the person beside you. Most people think it's pr to protect themselves and, yeah. you know, the extremities and all that kind of stuff. It's right. for the it's for the soldier next to you and you are reliant on them, right, to um, hold their role in in the in the strategy. Um, and then what was the other question you had asked about that? What's your what's your line of thinking of that circle of safety around that? Your shield is not just for you, but for mm -hmm. those that are around you as well, going and engaging in the battle, having that mindset that even though we're on the battlefield, mm -hmm. I'm not just interested in winning the war, but I'm interested in protecting who's with me as well. Yeah. So the leader has to make sure that when he enters a battle, um, that it's for the right reasons, right? And the team, I'll say a team, is in my view a battle can either break or it can galvanize a team right yeah. um 
And what determines whether that team is broken or galvanized is not actually based on whether they won or lost the battle, which a lot of people would think, well, if you won, then we're, oh great. If we if we you know if we lose, then the whole the whole mission is the whole team is just is just not going to be stay together, right? Yeah. It's not determined by a win or a loss, but um, on the core um, belief of the cause and the attitude of the leader okay Absolutely. so if your team is in submission to the mission right they all believe in the cause yeah. then they will they will run through walls for you if they un, if they believe truly that you, you care for them over everything else right if they know that this cause is not about you the leader but about um, I'm sorry, they know this battle is not about you, the leader, but yeah. about the cause. They will do anything it takes um, to make sure that, 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 that you win that battle. Therefore, even if you, I should say that you win the war. Therefore, if you win or lose the battle, it doesn't matter. It matters in the end as far as winning a war, but it doesn't matter if the team is galvanized. It doesn't determine the galvanization or the brokenness of a team by winning or losing one battle, right? And yep. then the attitude of the leader um, determines the belief and the sort of overall outcome as far as if, an, if the leader can maintain a positive mental attitude and keep all negative out then they can keep that team galvanized um but it starts with why are we facing this battle you know yeah. and there has to be a cause and a purpose behind it um that's bigger than yourself and bigger than your team um that they they 100 percent buy into um, and you'll see a lot of companies that have ups and downs um, and we see them as a tech company or something like that but yeah. if you talk to the core value, the core of that company, the those associates believe in a mission, a purpose, a cause that that company rallies behind. Um, that's further than a new technology or a new phone or whatever. Um, so that's what I'd say about that. That was really good, and I love, I love how you brought that out. About it's not always about the wins and the losses because sometimes our perspective can be so skewed on winning and losing that we forget about the team. Mm -hmm. You said that it's important to focus on galvanizing the team, that even if I may quote unquote lose this battle, if even in the loss that we gained unity, we gained some, some chemistry, it'll help us win the war in the end. So that's not really a loss. I remember hearing a quote saying, Either you win, you don't lose and win, you win or you learn. Mm -hmm. And so there are some battles that we can engage in and we may necess not necessarily feel that we have gotten everything out of that experience. But if we look at the experience, not from a defeated mindset or a defeated perspective, but I learned some valuable principles and some valuable lessons from this business transaction. I learned some valuable lessons and some valuable principles from this meeting with my supervisor or this meeting with my manager that I can take some things away that'll help me in the long run 
win the war. And so I want to I want to continue on that line of thinking of the battles and, and thinking about it, not from necessarily uh, a negative connotation, but the battle is necessary that after you have practice, whether you are a basketball player or a football player, after you've practiced, you've had your training camp, you've got to go play the game. Uh, you've, you've gone to school as a business major, you've studied, you've done your undergrad, you've done some, some internships, some, some apprenticeships, you've got to eventually go out and, and go out to a company and be a valuable asset into the battlefield. And so I want to use the battlefield kind of as a as a, a launching pad, just to think of it not as a negative way, but the battlefield is your workplace. The battlefield is your home. The battlefield is the world. When you leave your home every morning, you are stepping into the battlefield, whether you're at the store, whether you're at church, whether you're in your community, in your organization, that is your battlefield. And so I begin to think about that, John, and I asked myself a question because I found myself in the predicament that I realized some battles are just not worth engaging in. And so how does one determine, you know what, this battle, this particular conversation, this particular meeting, it's not really worth me engaging in because it doesn't fit the criteria of who I am. It doesn't help me excel in where I want to go. It doesn't help support the mission that I have set out for who I am and what I'm doing. How, how does one learn to engage what battle is worth giving your energy and time to and what battle is saying, you know what, I'm gonna sit this one out. It doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me less of a leader. It doesn't make me less of a man or a woman, but there are just some battles I don't have to engage in. How do you, how do you determine that? So um, for me, um, I like to keep things pretty simple. And when I'm sort of in that quick, you know, when you decide to make, a lot of times you don't get to sort of think about, should I get engaged in this battle overall? You know, you don't get a day to, to rest and wonder. Um, it just kind of comes to your desk and you have to decide or you walk into it. Um, and the first thing I usually, I, I like to ask is a lot of people get involved in battles that they have no purpose getting into, right? So the first Ooh. thing I ask is, is this my battle to fight? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people get involved in battles that they just have no business in getting into. Because yes. honest, to be quite frank, it's just none of their business. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's for malicious reasons. I think we just want to help. But sometimes we have to realize that it's just not, it's none of my business. So first thing is, is this my battle? And the other thing I think about is, is it going to matter in five years? Um, that's the, that's the, yes, there's other criteria at times, but those are the two things that I typically funnel things through. So absolutely, is it mine? And it doesn't matter long-term, right? I just use five years as something I, I like to think about, but long, what it really comes down to is long-term, does this matter? If it doesn't matter in five years, most likely it doesn't matter now. Yes, that was so good. I hope <laughs> those of you that are listening to this, those of you that are watching this, pull out a piece of paper, your iPad, your phone, your device, and write out some things that going into your work week, 
going into your week this coming week that there are just some battles I am not going to fight in any longer because it's not my battle to fight. It's not my battle to engage in. I will have less stress. I will be better off. I will have, I will sleep better at night if I would just offload those battles that are not mine. That was so good, bro. And so thinking about that, we covered how leadership is a battlefield. What battles do we know that are worth engaging in those that are not? But how does the battle strengthen a leader in those whom he and she is leading? Because I believe that there's one aspect of the battle that can wear you out, that can leave you drained. It can leave you feeling like you can't make it another day. But then there's another aspect of my own life that if I had not gone through that battle, if I had not gone through that conflict, if I had not had that tough conversation, if I hadn't had that quote unquote bad day at work where I didn't feel like I met my goals and I didn't meet the quota or the criteria that the supervisor was looking for, the particular leader was looking for. If I didn't have those days, I wouldn't be as strong as I am now. And so I believe there is an aspect to battles that can strengthen you and that are necessary for the next level. Talk about how battles can strengthen the leader. Okay. So remember this. Yeah. When you feel like you cannot take another step for every listener, yeah. just remember one thing. God will never give you anything that you cannot handle. Come on. I promise you, okay? We've all felt like I'm at my limits. I'm just yeah. done. I can't go anymore. You know, you look up to the skies and you scream. You're like, what now? Right? You just are just filled and you think it's his fault and it's not. But, you know, since that's who you talk to all day, you're just like, I don't know who else to turn to. And I promise you, he's probably whispering in your ear saying, it's just fine. Yeah. Most of the time when we look at, you know, when we look at the battle or the issue or the problem, it looks like a mountain. It's Mount Everest to us. And as soon as you take it one step at a time, just one step, one step, one step. And as soon as you cross over and you climb that mountain and you look back a week later, think about this. You are always thinking, oh, that wasn't so bad. I got through it, right? When your bank account is at 50 bucks and you got two weeks left and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, I promise you, you'll make it. You'll figure it out. And yep. then you look back and you're like, oh, I was able to overcome that, right? Um, it's the same thing. And with your team, um, you know, I'm not, I do this with my kids. I, I do protect my children to an extent. Um, I'm teaching my little Lily to ride a bike right now. And um, she's six and she wants to ride like Andrew. Well, uh, I do the same thing I'm doing with him. When he was starting to learn to ride his bike, we had a sidewalk at the time that had grass on both sides. Yeah. And so every time I would get him riding, he would start leaning towards the soft patches. You notice he never would fall on the patch where the driveway showed up. He would always fall before... Uh, he got there because he always said, oh, it's not too bad here. And he would just let himself down. 
So after about three days of that, uh, I knew he could do it, but he wasn't allowing himself. I took him to a parking lot. If you know, I don't know if you know this, but parking lots have no grass. And so it was a school parking lot. It was gigantic. He was going to start in the middle. And the only time he's going to make it to the grass is if he actually rides his bike to the playground. And so um, within 10 minutes, he was up and riding his bike. Fast forward. I did the same with my daughter, Lily. We've only been out once. But she was she started riding. She gets scared. I don't just let her just completely... You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not heartless. I don't just let her just crash and burn all over the sidewalk, the dry or the pavement, because I want her to to do it again. But there was a couple times where she was moving, she was slowing down, and she was kind of trying to figure out how to get off of it, and she started to fall. And my wife said, "Oh, oh, get her!" And I I on purpose took a step back. I knew it wasn't gonna just scrape her and make her bleed a bunch. It was a small, soft fall, but I wanted her to understand that, you know, getting tripped up a little bit actually doesn't hurt as much as you think it is. Um, and so she was stronger because of it. And we do the same thing when we struggle in life, right? And your team struggles. Yes, protect your team in certain aspects, but. For the most part, those things create calluses and they keep make you stronger and tougher. And when you te- let your team try things and fail and know that it's okay to fail, by the way, you have to have that environment set up, and they know that it's okay to fail, it will make them stronger. And then when you enter those battles as a team and they are now strong because you allow them to try, fail, learn, adjust, try again, um, you will have a strong, strong team. That is so good. I love that example about your children because that's what a battle does. The battle removes the comfort zone. It removes the place. Mm-hmm. I love it. You said the soft landing. Yeah. It removes the areas to where I know, well, I can kind of back out because I'm, I'm, this is uncomfortable for me. This is an uncomfortable environment that I'm in and I can just go back to my recluse self and I can pull back. But when your leader, when you're strengthened on that battlefield, that battlefield will strengthen you to the point that sometimes I may have to take that fall. So I'll be stronger next time. I'll have a harder exterior so I can make it through. And you said something that, that we all struggle with. Failure is okay. Nobody likes to fail. But the reality is, is that if we never knew about failure, we never would know what success really is. You have to learn how to fail so you can know how to succeed. And so I want to wrap this up in talking about this article about four battles that every leader must win every day. The four battles are the battle of conviction, the battle of commitment, the battle of consistency, and the battle of contentment. Mm. And we don't have to go into long lengths on each of those, but we, we kind of cover all four of those areas. But in talking about that, those four areas of the battle that the leader must win every day, talking about the battle of conviction, that the leaders must have clarity on the nose of your life and the nose of your leadership, that you have a list that these are just certain things I will not do. These are certain things I will not move from. No matter how hard the battle gets, no matter how high the heat gets turned up, 
in the midst of the battle, no matter who tries to bribe me. I, there, there are some battles that I have to go through that I may have to take a loss on, on the financial side. I may have to take a loss on the, the business aspect, but I will not lose my conviction. Talk, talk about that battle uh, of winning the battle of your conviction that I'm so convicted that no matter what battle, no matter what tests, no matter what I go through in my everyday life as a leader, I know there is one battle that I must always win. And that is the battle of my conviction. Yeah, that goes, that's a core value yeah. question, right? What are your core values? And I hope your conviction is tied to your purpose. Yes. Right. That's the reason we started this whole thing, this whole podcast, is we we're like, okay, um, we feel like leadership is, I don't feel like it's lost because I have a lot of hope and faith into in humanity and in people in general, but we felt like so many areas of leadership were lacking in the, in the spotlighted leadership of the world, the media, and so forth. And we thought, this is crazy. If people yes. could just get this right, we would be have such an amazing country, right? right. Um, so yeah, conviction is just so important. And you cannot move off of your core values. Um, I mean, you just can't. Because then if you move off of your off of your values, right, then you're just turning into somebody that uh, God did not intend you to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better myself. And, and so when you have that conviction, you cannot be moved. And so if you have that, you win that battle, battle of conviction, you can win the battle of commitment. And yeah. There's a quote that says, uh, there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you only do it when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses only results and so there's a lot of people that will start off because we have a lot of interest i'm interested in in doing art i'm interested in in doing music i, I want to be a, a rapper i want to be a singer i'm interested in being the musician i'm interested in running for my local government i want to run for the city council but you're there's a difference between the interest and the commitment that commitment is the thing that i will not accept excuses for a lot of us started off the year interested in losing weight but after those two weeks, we found out we were interested, but we weren't committed. And so now that we've been in quarantine, we've been in lockdown, we've gained weight, we were eating donuts, we're totally off of our lifestyle change and our diet. A lot of us were interested in, in, in buying a house. And so we start saving money a couple of weeks. But when our, our friend called us to go on vacation, we spent the money that we saved. We found out we weren't committed. We were more committed to the vacation than we were to the house. And so talk about that difference between I'm interested in this and that's great, but interested and committed is two different things because when you have commitment, you accept no excuses, only results. Yeah, commitment is critical yeah. to success you will not be long-term successful in any endeavor without commitment yes because something will always come up and try to knock you over 
And if you look in business or anything else, there will be ups and downs. No company just ascends forever. I know it feels like it, it just doesn't happen. And so it's in those valleys that your commitment will help um, climb you out into the peaks. Um, yeah, that was good. You, you know, regardless of what you do in life, um, you need, if you, if every listener would just focus on being the rock of their family, the rock of their community, um, and their company, then that would, that's the, I heard this example once, you can either be a rock or a river, right? When you look at the stream, okay. the stream flows, right? It just goes with the flow, actually. There's it, nothing pushes it. It just rolls wherever everybody else rolls, right? If you look at all the little drops of water, they just kind of go like sheep. Um, <laughs> and then the only thing stable in that river is the rock, right? If you notice the rock doesn't move for the river, the river moves for the rock, right? So you stay committed and you stay strong and with a stiff spine. And I promise you, People will follow you or they will get out of your way. <laughs> you say something every week that I know I'll just go preach later on. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with that whole rock being Christ Jesus, but that was that was really good. Focus on being that rock because the river just flows. It can be gone whatever direction it wants to go. It just follows and it's not a leader. That rock is consistent. And so you said being consistent, having the conviction, having the commitment and having the consistency. And last but not least, we talked about the three C's, the conviction, the commitment, the consistency, but also lastly, the battle of contentment. There's a quote by Tony Gaskins that says to be content doesn't mean you don't desire more. It just simply means you're thankful for what, for what you have and you're patient for what's to come. It, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have more money, wanting to have a bigger home, wanting to have a better life. But if I don't necessarily have those things, I don't live my life in such of a place of despair and depression because I'm so content as a leader in the things that I have that I know that if I am a good steward and I'm patient for what I have, God will open up the doors to bless me with more. The Bible says that if you're faithful over a few things, that God will make you a ruler over many things. Mm -hmm. And so we're content with not being a millionaire, but a thousandaire. Eventually, God can take you there with hard work ethic and commitment and sacrifice and dedication. If you're content being a great husband, if you're content being, being great as a a father of one child and being a great father that one child, God can bless you with more children. And so talk about that battle of contentment because we live in a world that people are just not satisfied. It's never enough. I have a goal of being to having a thousand subscribers or having a thousand people follow me. And I get that thousand. I see someone else that has 10,000. Now I want 10,000. I get 10,000. Then I want a hundred thousand or I, I live in a three bedroom and that's what I pray for God to give me. God gives me that. And I see the Jones family, they go get a five bedroom. And so I want that. And so we are never content. I'll, I'll find myself in a place of debt trying to pay a $600 car payment. 
uh, for a car that I can't afford. But as long as I have the appearance that I've got it going on, I have the social status because I have no contentment on the inside. How important is that as a leader that we win that battle of contentment that I'll just be satisfied with what I have? Everybody should understand that contentment is not the same as complacent. Okay? Yeah. I think a lot of people merge the two together. Complacency means that you've essentially decided like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm good, right? right? You can be complacent on, you know, just government incomes or whatever, you know what I mean? Like sure. handouts, all that kind of stuff. Um, complacent means that you're, in my mind, I look at complacent meaning you're happy with your current purpose, role, path, right? You're happy with where you are. It doesn't mean that you're complacent and you're willing to stay there because I'm, I'm that way, right? Yeah. Always moving forward, but moving forward, I should say making more money or having more likes and shares doesn't make me feel happier or more valued, right? My yeah. value doesn't come from likes, shares, you know, whatever, um, income, stuff like that. My value comes from God and knowing whose I am, right? Yes. And so, therefore, it's easy to be content and happy with my situation in life. And also, I think gratitude really helps with that, right? Understanding what are the great things that you have right now. We've, we Sometimes we get so focused on where we've, what we don't have. We just completely forget about all the amazing... I have two healthy kids, and they're amazing kids, right? Are they perfect? No, but who is, right? right? Beautiful, amazing wife. I have a home. Most people don't even have a home in this world, right? Um, all these things. I live close to family, right? I grew up away from family, so I never saw them. Like extended cousins, grandparents, stuff like that. My kids get to grow up with their grandparents, so there's so many things, and you all you all have the same. Th everybody has a different spot in life. I'm not saying it's fair, right? Yeah. Is I don't know that everything will ever be fair. Um, obviously, there's not the same equality and fairness is not the same thing. We won't get into that. Mm -hmm. I don't want someone to like assume that I'm saying. Yeah. Understand where I'm saying where my heart's coming from, right? Sure. I tell my son all the time, life's not fair, but contentment. And it's just being happy with where you're going and, and in your purpose in life. And just remember whose you are. And um, I think that'll help. Whoa. Yes, man. That, that, was, that was great. And, and I pray those that are going to watch this, that you just do a self-assessment of I may not have, I may not be everything I want to be. I may not have everything I want to have. I may not be where I want to necessarily be. But where I am, I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. People are dying. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Those of us that are still alive that have two good lungs and are breathing, that's enough right there to say, I can make it through any battle. I'm alive. I've got air to breathe. I can inhale and I can exhale. And I just want to be grateful for that. This has been an amazing, amazing conversation. And something that stuck out to me, what you said there at the end, man, and our pastor had just taught on that a couple of weeks ago in Bible study about knowing your value. 
knowing your value and knowing who you are and not allowing someone else to put an appraisal price on you, but getting your value from God. And so talking about value, there are some things we want to give to you as the audience that will add to your value, that will increase your value, that will enrich your value. And that is reading. Readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And so we want to give you two reads of the week, starting off with The Energy Bus. John, talk about how this book, The Energy Bus, can help those that are in the battle, help our leaders out there that are in the trenches with us, that, that can help them going forward in their journey of leadership going forward. So I read this book this past spring, and it's um, one of my so still still early in the year, but one of my top books of the year, top five is easily. Um, for all of you guys out there who are, struggle with reading, it's a very easy read, right? Um, it's a story about a man going through life, and I'm not going to get into all the details and steal that joy from you, but uh -huh. basically it talks about. You know the two big things is you, you have you can either be a um, an energy vampire or you can be a giver of energy, right? And this is not like the energy as in like drink another energy drink type of thing and stay awake. Correct. It's the energy you bring into an environment, yeah. and often when you feel like things aren't going the way you want, or you feel like work is kind of been down or whatever you need to look at yourself and realize that you could be the one bringing that is bringing down the energy or you could also be the one that could be just responsible decide to be responsible lead and bring the energy um to your team your department organization whatever your role i've given this book out to almost everybody that i've coached um this past spring and um, it was really critical this past spring with the pandemic and people being home a lot and just yeah. getting kind of down. Um, it's I can't tell you how good of a book it is. Absolutely. Great suggestion. The Energy Bus by John Gordon. The next read of the week suggestion we want to give is procrastinate on purpose. Five permissions to multiply your time. And I know that book title probably sounds like an oxymoron. Uh, <laughs> those of you that are uh, listening and watching this, and that's kind of what drew me to this book. Like procrastinate on purpose. Those the procrastinate and purpose don't seem to go hand in hand. But once you get into the book, and I'm not going to give all the details, but one thing while I was reading this, I really enjoyed this book. It talks about the writer, the author talks about there is no such thing as time management, just self-management that if you learn how to manage yourself, your time will follow. Because the author suggests that, to suggest that you can manage anything is to say that you are in control of it. And so we often want to say, I don't have enough time to, to cook the food. I don't have enough time to, to play with my kids and make time for my kids because I work eight hours a day. I gotta home home and have to cook dinner. I've gotta do this and this and this and this. But what the writer was talking about is that if you would focus on managing yourself managing your principles, managing your values and your infrastructure of who you are and how you go about your day-to-day -day life, you'll find that you have more time than you think you have. And so that's my read suggestion of the week. Procrastinate on purpose. Five permissions to multiply your time. While you are looking at those 
reads of the week we also want you all to continue to support us follow us on our different social media platforms follow us on facebook under our page name unscripted authentic leadership you'll see our logo there unscripted authentic leadership and of course follow john john lebron on facebook and also myself as well and then also follow us on instagram at unscripted leadership is our page name where you'll find leadership content from our uh, brand from our unscripted authentic leadership you'll find the quotes from what we've talked about in previous podcasts uh, also follow myself at lafayette b lane and follow john at lebron 613 we pray that you all have enjoyed this episode of unscripted authentic leadership this week as much as we have talking about it this week on choosing your battles we appreciate your support and we want you to go into your week knowing that you have what it takes to go through the battle have that contentment have that consistency have that commitment you can make it you may fall you may fail but you will get through it we thank you all and we all want you all to have a blessed week this has been another episode of unscripted authentic leadership until next time god bless you Thank you.